The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Hello. What's up, everybody? We're going to get started. How are y'all's brains? Are they fried yet, or y'all still good? All right, good, good. Well, if I hadn't met you yet, my name's Spencer, and, uh, man, we're glad y'all are here. Hopefully it's been a good weekend for y'all. It has been a good slash convicting weekend for me, so that's always good. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump in um, to the importance of the local church, um, really talking about, all right, I got Jesus, so why do I need the church? So let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus, thanks for these men and for the families they represent. God, for the ministries they represent, God, for uh, the churches they come from, from the, the workplaces that they come from, Lord. And I pray that you would guard and guide what I say by the power of your spirit, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would prep hearts by your spirit, that all of us would see the importance uh, that you place on the local church in, uh, in the scripture. And God, I pray that we would not only see the importance, God, but that we'd get in the game and that we would um, be actively involved in making a change. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So one of the reasons we really wanted to teach this, you know, you think um, probably most of you guys go to a church. So, you know, you kind of already know it's important because most of y'all attend a church right now. But, you know, you... I'm sure y'all have run into people, and maybe you've been like this in the past. I know I have, where you're kind of like, I-, I got Jesus, so why do I need the church? Why can't I just, I mean, I connect with the Lord so much in nature. I connect with the Lord so much when I'm just listening to a sermon. I can, I'm reading the scripture. I'm pursuing the Lord, so why do I need to go to a church? Why do I need to go and be involved in the messiness of relationships? And, uh, you know, we hear that a lot of times. Why do I need to be involved in a church? And I think one of the things that makes that concern even, uh, even greater is because we live in such uh, a, a super personalized world to where you can personalize everything to yourself. You know, uh, like when you search the Internet, you know, it saves what you've searched for in the past and pops it up as ads now. So, like, your Internet is specific to you. It gives you ads that it wouldn't give me. You know, even down to things like, you know, if you order Nikes online now, you can put your name on them and choose the colors of the Nikes you want to get. You know, even like the drink machine at Zaxby's. Y'all been there and seen that, like the Coke Freestyle machine? You know, there's an app that hooks up to that machine that if you like your whatever it is, like your coconut lime Coke or whatever it is, and you got some weird concoction mixed up, well, you program that into your app, and when you go to the machine, you don't have to do all the clicking. You just go, beep, and automatically it's like, oh, that's Spencer. He likes the coconut lime sweet tea, whatever, you know. And, like, we live in such a personalized world that I think sometimes it's difficult for guys to get into a church that they like because we're so used to everything being exactly how we like it. We want everything to be just tailor-made for us. And we go church shopping around, and we're like, ah, I don't really connect with that guy. You know, I don't really, I, or maybe I connect with this pastor, but I don't really connect with the music style. So maybe I can find a place that has a, a music style that I like and, 
and a pastor that I like and people that are my age. That's, that's important to me, too. And, and good men's programs, and that, that's important to me, too. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, and it needs to be close to my house, and it needs to be something good for my kids, and it needs to have some sports. All right? Good luck. <laughs> right? There, you, you can't personalize out a church like that. And so what a lot of guys do, since they can't personalize out and find a church like that, you know you can go online and find a pastor, seriously, that's better than a pastor in your area. You can do that. If you want to find a pastor that's really gifted that you connect with, you can find it online. And if you want to find music that's really great, you can also find that online. And you can personalize out your own little service in your house, but that is not church. So why is it important that we don't personalize out some experience? And why, why is the church so important? Can I just meet with Jesus and my laptop? Can I just meet with Jesus in the woods? Why do I have to be around the people? <laughs> that's where it gets messy. So that's what I want to talk about. Why is, why is it so important? Uh, and first, before we do that, why, why are people so upset with the church? Why do people not like the church? Well, we see, man, like 11,000 people come through here every year, which is awesome, from about four to 500 different churches, depending on the year. So we see a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, a lot of youth pastors. And so we talked to a lot of folks uh, who were like, man, I, I, I'm upset with the church. And usually the, it falls into one of these four categories where people say, I don't go to church because number one, it's boring or it's out of style. And, and some of y'all may have felt that before you, where you walk into a church and you're like, whoa, I've never seen decor like this other than this building, you know, or like no one's decorated like this or listen to music like this since the 90s, early 90s, maybe, you know, and oh, these are the same songs that were playing when I was in high school, you know, and like, uh, or they say the church is boring or it's out of style or a second objection people will say is, man, I don't go to church because church is full of arrogant, judgmental hypocrites. Y'all heard that before? Yeah, I don't go to church because it's, man, it's full of judgmental, arrogant hypocrites. That's why I don't go. Or the third thing is they'll say, I don't go to church because it's just not doing it for me. It's just not meeting my needs. I go in there, it's fine. I walk out, it's whatever. It's just not doing it for me. Or the fourth reason we hear a lot is that I don't go to church because I had a bad experience. I was hurt. I've been hurt by the church. So I want to look at those four objections later on. But uh, before we get into that, I want to look at how important the local church is. The church is of crucial importance because it's ordained by God. It's not going anywhere, right? The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. So neither will changes in style and things like that. So the church is not going anywhere. So it's important to know what is the church. So we'll look at what is the church, why is it so important, and then what is our role within it. And think about the importance of the local church. So what is the church? Maybe a better question is, who is the church? Now this PowerPoint, my bad, it is tiny. It's very small. We put it up here at way too late, and I was like, dang it. Uh, so it is minuscule. So if you can't see it, we can email it to you, or you can move closer. Uh, but... So uh, what is the church, or a better question is, who is the church? I want to give four points, and as you hear these points that we're talking through in Scripture, I want you to think about the importance that God himself puts on our meeting together as believers. So number one, when you join Christ, you join his people. You're not joining a program. You're not adding a to-do. You're not following a pastor, uh, Twitter style. You're joining his people. Galatians 3, 26 and 28 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith, 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. All, all, all. You're joined together. If you are united to Christ, you're united to Christians. You, you belong to one another, even though y'all don't know each other. It's weird. Being, so I'm on staff. I've been here for 18 years. And so I know some of y'all that don't know each other. And that's a weird scenario for me, right? Where I'm like, oh, man, you don't know him? Oh, he's great. Y'all should know each other. But like for me, I can see how Duncan and Corey are joined, even though y'all don't know each other. But I've talked to you about Jesus and I've talked to you about Jesus. And so I know you are joined to Christ and you're joined to one another, whether or not you know it, whether or not you feel it. So when we're united to Christ, we're united to Christians. And the scripture gives several different illustrations to show you how tight knit you are with other believers, not just Jesus. It talks about us as being one people like Titus 2.14 who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Not individuals, a people. Another illustration the Bible gives over and over is a building. 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You're joined together with one another. Another illustration it gives is, is a body. So you're like a people. You're like a building. You're like a body. Uh, Romans 12, 4 through 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So you belong to the people. You're part of the building. You're part of the body. When you join Christ, you join his people. That's point number one. What or who is the church? So point number two comes off of one of these illustrations. When you join Christ, you join his body. The church isn't an event that you calendar out and attend every Sunday at 11. When you join Christ, you join his body. It's the body of Christ. So the scripture, we hear the term the body of Christ for so long that we forget it's an illustration, an actual physical, this is the church. It's like your body. Look down, look at your hands, look at your arms. This is the the illustration that God is using to show you what the church is like. Uh, In Ephesians 4, Starting in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So in this body, Christ is the head, he's controlling it all, and we are members, we are parts of the body. It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how does your body treat itself? Your body loves itself, right? It protects itself all day long. You think about, isn't it strange how your body reacts instinctively? If you, if you trip on a curb and you start going down like this, what do your hands do? Boom! They pop up, right? As you're tripping down because they want to protect other parts of your body. Have you ever thought about how weird that is? That your hands are like, uh, it's the feet's fault, but I'm going to take the hit. You know, your hands aren't, aren't just like, not today, baby. Uh, you know, they don't go on revolt and just let your face take it. Your body protects itself, is joined together, right? And when all your parts are working together, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so when you join Christ, you join a body. You're a part of one another, whether or not you like it. You're joined to other church members, some of whom are difficult. So our actions towards the body affects the body. Now, Also, our actions towards the body affect the head. Our actions towards one another affect our relationship with Christ as well. You can see this when Paul is persecuting the church. Remember when 
when he gets saved in Acts 9 and, and God interrupts his plan and calls him and shines the light on him and, and brings him to salvation. Y'all remember that story in Acts? Uh, right, so he says, Paul has been persecuting the church. He's been dragging people out of their homes and putting them in jail. And Jesus says this, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, at this point, Paul had never met Jesus, right? At no point had he ever met Jesus until this, this time, right? Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. Paul's not persecuting Jesus. He's persecuting his body, of which Jesus is the head. So our actions towards the body affect the head, affect our relationship with the head. So neglecting the body, in part, is also neglecting Christ. Matthew 25, 40. The king will answer them and say, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. You see, I think most people that say... I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. They don't have a good understanding of the church or Jesus, probably. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's not something you can say. You can't join the head without joining the body. You're joined to the body, and what you do affects one another. So when a lot of folks are like, man, I love Jesus, but I'm out on the church. A lot of, a lot of those folks aren't leaving the church. They never want to be part of the head. Uh, look at this in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the last part about the body. It's a pretty funny illustration as you think about it. The body doesn't consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Pause. You see what it's saying? Because you say, you know what? Because I don't get to serve in that way, I'm not a part of this body anymore. Yes, you are. You're still joined to those Christians. It's, he's using an, a ridiculous illustration. If the foot's like, man, it stinks. You get to shoot basketball. You get to wave at people. You get to drive cars. I got to stay in a sock all the time. I never see the sun. I'm out. You can't do that. It's, you're still there. You're still part of the body. And forming, uh, serving a crucial role within the body. He goes on and says, if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. See, if the whole body was an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body was an ear, how would we smell? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Pause. Think about the funny illustration that he's using. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Yeah, it does. How are you going to feed yourself, I? You, you need one another. So you can't say, I've got Jesus. I've got the head, but I don't need the hands. I don't need the body. We can't be joined to the head and not to the body, right? You can't function properly without the other parts. At, at the end of that uh, portion in verse 26, it says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. One, of one member of the body is hurting the body's hurting. Y'all know this in your own physical bodies, right? Some of y'all got ailments, so you're like, oh, my back. And your whole body hurts. If one member suffers, the whole thing suffers. You can't, so the, the first point, I'm sorry, the second point, when you join Christ, you join his body. So you can't be connected to the head and reject his body. Number three, when you join Christ, you become his bride. You become his bride. There's an illustration that's all throughout scripture. Ephesians 5, I want to read this. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, 
So he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. So, when we join Christ, we join his people. When we join Christ, we join his body. Number three, when we join Christ, we become his bride. You can see that in Revelation 19, where we have the wedding supper of the Lamb. What I'm saying is, you can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate his wife. Partially because we are his wife, right? You can't say, I love Jesus, I love the head, but I reject the body. I love Jesus, but I reject his wife, of which I'm a part. So, number four, when you join Christ, you're adopted into his family. This is from Ephesians 1, the end of verse 4. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. When you join Christ, you're adopted into his family. So you can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate my brothers and sisters. First John tells us that, right? The church is crucial. When we think about what is the church, when we are in Christ, we are now members of one another. We join his people. We're together like a building. We join his body. We can't say I'm with the head, but not with the body. We are his bride. We can't say I love Jesus and I hate his wife. We can't say we become adopted into his family. So we can't say I love Jesus, but I hate my brothers and sisters. You, like it or not, you're joined to the body. He ordained that one people, one church is for himself. So that's what is the church. So I want to give four points on. So why do you need the church? Why is it so important that we go to the church then? So we're joined together, but can't we just still be on our own? All right, so I'm joined in some metaphysical way to everyone else, some spiritual way, but, but do I have to actually go and interact with those guys? So why do we need the church? Four points on this. Number one, neglecting the church is missing out on encouragement. On encouragement. One of the main ways that we're supposed to be encouraged by God is through others. One of the main sources, look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider, pause, let us think about, let's plan, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is one main source of encouragement. If you're not feeling encouraged, how many men in the church are depressed or are anxious, but they're neglecting the body? This is one of the main sources of encouragement is one another. Consider how to stir one another up, encouraging one another. There's a guy named Sam Alberry. I'll have this quote on the board. A great quote about encouraging one another in the church. Outside of the local church, we will lack the encouragement God has for us and will be failing to help others grow in their faith too. So to think we'll carry on our Christian lives is therefore a little arrogant. I'm saying... I can manage without the encouragement that God wants to provide me with through the local church. And it's quite selfish. I'm saying I won't encourage those in my local church. See what he's saying? To neglect the church, it's arrogant saying, I'm good. I don't need to be encouraged by anybody. I got this on my own. And it's selfish saying, I'm not going to encourage anybody else. I'm good. So to neglect the church is missing out on encouragement. Number two. Neglect, neglecting the church is missing out on evangelism. 
One of the main ways that the world is supposed to know about Christ is through the love of the church's members for one another. Look at John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love for other believers preaches to the lost. Now, as we've heard already this weekend, you must open your mouth to preach to the lost. But the evidence, the, the, the foundation underneath that, they'll see how we love one another. Love to other believers preaches, uh, preaches to the lost. First John 4 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God... I'm sorry, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love for others characterizes disciples. So to miss out on the church is to miss out on one of the most powerful means of sharing the gospel. Church is God's idea. All right, so number three on why do you need the church? See, the church needs you and you need the church. It's a body. The hand needs the foot and the foot needs the hand, right? It's, it's a body that works together as everyone's functioning. It builds itself up, as Ephesians tells us. It builds itself up. So the church needs you and you need the church. How does the church need you? I, the church, there are people in your church that need you to minister the word to them. That need to hear what you're learning from the word. The church needs to hear that from you. What else does the church need from you? The church needs fellowship needs to be around other believers. Like this weekend, man, you're around guys, hopefully from your church, and you're fellowshipping together, you're sharing the word, and you're being built up right now. So that's what the church needs from you, is to be encouraged from you, from the word and from the fellowship. The third thing the church needs from you is serving. There are people in your church that need you to serve. The fourth thing is giving. When you give to the church, you're providing for needs in the area, that whether you're meeting uh, the needs of widows and orphans, outreach for the church. But in the same way, you need the church. You need to be ministered to the church in these four ways. Uh, you need to be ministered to by the church in these same ways. You need to be ministered to from the word. You know, you can learn right now as you sit in these sessions, you're learning from what other guys have learned, Right? You're feeding off of what other guys have learned, and that's wonderful. You need that. That is available for us in the church. The fellowship, man, it changes you. Iron sharpens iron. If you miss this, you'll be dull. You'll be dull without the encouragement and the fellowship from the local church. You need the change that serving is going to bring. Serving changes you, and often we're in need as well. The last thing is giving. Man, you need the change that giving is going to make in your life. Nothing breaks materialism like giving your money away, right? You need that. This is for your sanctification as well. So not only does the church need you, but you need the church. And really what this is saying is these things change us to be more like Christ, and that's what we need most. All right, so the fourth and final point here on why do we need the church. We need the church, number four, because your pastor or your podcast can't do for you what only the church can. Your pastor or your podcast can't do for you what only the church can. You see, in Ephesians 4, he says this, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the pastor, the shepherd, equips the saints, and the saints do the work of the ministry. The saints build up the body of Christ. As we saw earlier in Ephesians, the body's building itself up. It's, it's that, so your podcast, watching it online, it's not going to build you up in the same way that the body will. You're neglecting the body if, you, if you're just listening to sermons online. Hebrews 3 says this, 
Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But this to, this to us. But it, you exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You need the exhortation of the church, of the members of the church, not just the pastor. You need the exhortation of the members of the church. He's saying, don't neglect meeting together. You'll miss out on this sharpening so where you're, you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice it doesn't say, pastors, exhort your church members every day. He says, take care, brothers. Exhort one another every day. So this is for us. Your pastor even can't do for you what the church can. Galatians uh, 6 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Who bears the burdens? The other parts of the body bears the burdens. So there's four points on what is the church and four points on why do we need it. And so let's, let's get down to the end on if you reject the church, if you say, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love his body. I love Jesus, but I don't love his wife. I love Jesus, but I don't love my, my brothers and sisters. If you reject the church, what's the alternative for a believer? Does the scripture give any viable alternative to the church? No. If you're left to just do whatever feels right, that's a dangerous position to be in. You, they were like that in Judges. Judges 21, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a dangerous place to be. I'm just going to meet with my family and we'll call that church. I'm just going to meet with a couple guys at, the, at, at a restaurant and we'll, we'll do church together. Okay, some objections to this. This is where we're getting to. So we'll talk to some guys and they'll be like, okay, but how big does a local church need to be? Like, can it just, for real, can it just be me and my wife and my family that are meeting together for encouragement and fellowship and study? Let me pause real quick and say, there's two ways you can ask that question. Like, one is in a legitimate, like, is, is this like a viable possibility? Because I want to please the Lord and I want to be involved in a local church. And the other way is, I don't want to go to church, so can this be enough? Right? You see the, the attitudes of the heart behind each one of those? So some people say, um, you know, if, if you're asking it in that sense, you're probably on the wrong track, right? How can I justify isolating myself? I know, I'll call our family the church, and then I can isolate myself all I want. So on the same lines, people will ask, well, doesn't the Bible say something about where two or more are gathered together? There I am in their midst. Y'all heard that verse, right? So then what we can do is we can just, me and my buddy, hang out. We'll mention Jesus, and we'll call it a church, right? It's like a business lunch where you say, work. All right, now it's a business lunch, you know? Like, so uh, uh, that's along the same lines where two or more are gathered. Well, a lot of people will use that verse out of context because you know where that verse is found? In Matthew 18, where it's talking about church discipline, right? <laughs> Yee! That's not talking about what is a church and how many people does it take to be a church. That's talking about, hey, when you guys have to make the difficult decision about kicking somebody out of church, I'm with you. I'm, I'm there with you. We're two or more gathered together. I'm there with you, right? And also you have to look at the scripture as a whole. What else does the scripture say about church? We've already talked about it, right? Another objection that people will give, not only just, well, can I just meet just me and a couple people? Uh, some people will say, and we hear this a lot because we work with millennials. We work with teenagers. We work with a lot. We just hired 140 college students, you know? So we, we hear this a lot. Where people say, I love Jesus, I'm just tired of organized religion. Y'all heard that? What is the alternative? Disorganized religion? Like, what are you shooting for? You're going to just make something up? What are you proposing? 
a disorganized church. I think this is just something that people hear, but they don't really know what they mean. All they know is, I don't want to get involved with the messiness of a church. It's difficult dealing with people. So our last section here is, what should a church look like? What should a church look like? If we think about how big does a church have to be, um, what does a church look like? Because a lot of people are like, man, I just want to get back to the roots, to the New Testament church. That's what I want to do. We want to be a New Testament church. And so they'll go back to Acts 2 at the beginning of the church after Pentecost. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayers. And people would be like, this is beautiful. It's pure. There's no committees. There's no budgets. It's just meeting together and eating and talking about Jesus. Let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, we can meet together and eat and talk about Jesus. It's going to be awesome. And I think that is awesome. Let's do that. Let's, I, I love wings and talking about Jesus. It's great. But many people look at this passage in Acts and say, that's the church. But that's not all the scripture says about the church, as we've read already. So what should a church look like? I want to read a quote from a pastor. Uh, and I think, I think you could definitely say more in this quote as to what a, what a local church is. Oh, man, I need to hurry. All right. Y'all give me six minutes. I'm done. I think you could say more, but I don't think you can say much less. And this pastor says this. I would define a local church like this. A local church is a group of baptized believers who meet regularly to worship God through Jesus Christ to be exhorted from the word of God and to celebrate the Lord's Supper under the guidance of duly appointed leaders. All right, so according to this definition, and again, you could say more, but probably couldn't say much less, you know. Um, According to this definition, there are at least seven qualifications if a group wants to be a church in the New Testament sense. They have to be believers. They have to be baptized, like Matthew 28, 19. They have to be meeting regularly, like Hebrews 10, 25. They have to be worshiping God through Jesus, like Acts 2.47 and Romans 15.6-7. Uh, there has to be exhortation from the Word, like 1 Timothy 4.13. They have to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Luke 22. Uh, and there has to be appointed leaders, like Acts 14, 1 Timothy 3, and Titus 1. This is why Snowbird is not a church. Right? We don't have appointed elders. Right? We don't meet together regularly. Y'all go home and maybe come back in the fall, right? We, we don't, um, you know, we worship God. We don't celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You know, so when you go to like a campus church, those of you guys that are in college, or when you come to Snowbird, or when you meet with your buddies, or when you meet with your family alone, that's not church. The scripture says a lot about church. What else should a church look like? You could say a lot more, you know, like the church should be serving and giving and spreading, like be in the light. Like Matthew 5 says. So if our churches don't serve and don't give and don't spread and reflect the light, man, why in the world would anybody want to come to your church? Why would, what, if, you're, if your church members, if the body isn't living lives that, that preach that God's good and satisfying and worth it, our churches should be pouring out or they're not acting like the church. If we're only serving those inside, what good is the church, man? Okay, so we avoid doing bad things and we have services every Sunday. That's not the mission of the church. It's to meet together for fellowship and encouragement and go out and make disciples. Here's what we should be looking at. Not where's the perfect church, but what's my role in the church? 
as men at this conference, what's my role? We don't solely go to a church and say, just like we talked about in the beginning, you can personalize everything in the world. We don't go and say, is this the style of music and the style of preaching and the style of small groups and the style of building that really meets my needs? If that is your questioning line as you, as you look for a church, you're on the wrong track. We're on the wrong track, right? Don't look for just what you can get out of it. Then you become a consumer looking for a product. You become an audience member viewing a movie, right? The last movie I saw in the theaters was one of the Avengers movies with my kids. And we went there. We had a good time. We came out of the movie, and we talked about what we liked. And I said, eh, it was about an hour and a half too long. It was really stupid. It was entertaining, but the end. How many times do we treat church like that? We come out of the church, and we go, eh, it's about an hour and a half too long. I didn't really get a lot out of it. And the end. I mean, we can't go in as consumers and like passive audience members and sermon raiders. Man, what's your role in the church? There is no perfect church. Y'all remember the old, per- old preacher joke where he's like, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll make it imperfect, right? Uh, so every church, church is imperfect. If you want some encouragement about where your church is, read about the church at Philippi where they're trying to get Paul thrown in jail. Read about the church in Corinth where Paul has to keep saying, hey, stop sleeping with family members, please. You think your church got problems? These church have problems. There is no perfect church, not even the ones that Paul was the pastor of, right? So you're good. You're good with our imperfect church. The question is, are we part of the solution? Or are we just complaining about the problems? See, we often extend more grace to people outside the church than inside the church. We're okay with people around us at work being a little bit hypocritical, but not in the church, boy. We're okay with people outside the church messing up, but, but not in the church. What's reality is there is no perfect church, and the imperfections of the church are part of what God's going to use to sanctify us, to make us better. Part of that messiness of, of being with people. So, told you six minutes. I'm at three, right? So I got three more. All right, here we go. What about the complaints? Church is boring or out of style. Church is full of hypocrites and arrogant people. Church is not meeting my needs or I've been hurt. Let's work backwards. What if I've been hurt by the church? We hear this a lot. And my question to you is, uh, pause. Some people have been hurt by the church. Some people have had a bad, bad experience and it's real. But you need to get healing and get back in church because it's worth it. But I'd say, out of the people that say I've been hurt by the church, most have not. And I'm not saying that to offend anybody. I'm just saying when you think about that, some people just have an interpersonal conflict that they can't resolve, but they've lumped the whole church into that mix. Because in reality, relationships are hard everywhere. So ask yourself, is this a problem with the church or is it a problem with a guy? Is this a perception problem, a miscommunication problem? If you really have been hurt, it might be a long road back, but it's worth it. If you really haven't, you probably don't know that. So you should get some wise counsel and read scripture and pray a lot about it and seek restoration. Number two, what about the complaint that my needs aren't being met? Who are we to judge our own needs? How do you know what you need for sanctification? Maybe a messy church situation is exactly what you need to become more like Jesus. It's not meeting my needs as in that pastor's not funny enough. Is that a need? Uh, The third uh, complaint I don't go to church because church is full of 
arrogant, hypocritical, judgmental people. Think about that statement. All y'all, all y'all are arrogant. And all y'all are judgmental and all y'all are hypocrites. What am I doing? That's pretty arrogant of me, right? To say, I know all you guys and all y'all are arrogant. That's pretty arrogant. Well, I'm judging you guys as arrogant and hypocritical. That's pretty judgmental on my part. And I'm doing what I'm accusing you of. That's pretty hypocritical, right? Who in the world is not hypocritical? Everybody is on some level, right? Show some grace to your brothers and sisters. They're part of your body. You can't say, I'm not a part of the body anymore, right? You're joined to them, so show them the most grace. We show more grace to people outside. What about churches that are boring or out of style? What about that last complaint? I get it sometimes when you walk into a church and it's music from the 90s and mauve carpet and you're like, what are we doing? I get that to a point. But here's the reality. If a church is preaching the word, if a church is singing Christ-exalting songs and a church is loving one another, that is enough. That is enough. That's it. If you have that and can't get over the paintings and the song selection, the problem is you. You have an issue, right? You need to do some self-examination. Secondly, Christianity is not supposed to be cool. It never was. It never was cutting edge. Jesus said, hey, they hate me. They're going to hate you. It's not supposed to be the coolest thing in town, right? This is a hospital. It is a battleship. It is not a cruise ship. It's not supposed to be cool and comfortable. The last little thing, and then we'll be done. Ask the persecuted church these same questions. Ask believers that are, uh, we meet with guys, we go up to the Himalayas and we, we talk to guys that their wives left them for the gospel. Their wives got them thrown in jail for the gospel. They got kicked out of their homes and got beat up. Ask those guys, is the church meeting your needs? Do you really need the church? They'll be like, the heck are you talking about? Ask them, is your church hip enough? Is it cool? They'll be like, what? I, I think sometimes we need a, a reality check. Uh, Ted Cluck, he says this, he says, church isn't boring because we're not showing enough film clips or because we play an organ instead of a guitar. It's boring because we neuter it of its importance. We neuter it of its importance. If you, if you think, man, this church isn't meeting my needs, man, we should think, what's, what's the mission of the church and how can I be part of the solution? If your church is not getting the job done, man, be part of the change, humbly, because your church is probably doing more than you know. But be part of the solution. Be part of the change. Plug into your church and contribute. You need the church, and the church needs you. It's part of your body. That's too many minutes. I'm going to pray, and we'll go eat. Jesus, we love you. We recognize that you're the head and that we are joined to one another as the body, and I pray that we would do our part to build one another up, to encourage one another, to use this love as true evangelism and open our mouths, God. I pray that we would, uh, we would recognize that we are, your, uh, we are your sons, that we are your spouse, that we are your body. And I pray that we would treat the church like that. I pray that we as men would be strong leaders and shepherds within our church, that our church has become largely led by women and soft men, God. And I pray that you would bring strong men into the church to lead the way, God. And I pray that these guys in this room would be that, would be the change that our church needs to be on mission, to not be neutered of its importance. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.